Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read simply one verse tonight from what is known as the Beatitudes in this portion of Matthew's Gospel, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 8, and I'd like you to read it with me out loud tonight. Matthew 5, 8, ready, begin. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. All of the men, please, ready, begin. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And all of the ladies, please. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you tonight for this first day of the new year. Thank you that we can open your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can take time to do a spiritual diagnostic and to study the issue at hand, the heart. Lord, may we have hearts prepared for not only today and tomorrow, not only for the week of awakening, but for the entire year long. May we do the will of God from the heart is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Cardiologists for the last 20 to 30 years have discovered more and more ways to define and to discern problems of the physical heart. It's not uncommon to hear of someone having an EKG or an echocardiogram or a stress test or some type of blood test to determine the health of the heart. It's hardly a week that will go by where we're not visiting someone in the hospital uh, who is having some type of a heart issue. It's vital that the heart is functioning properly in order to pump the blood through the system, in order to engage us in a healthy lifestyle. And it's vital, spiritually speaking, that we are in tune with what God defines as a pure heart and that we are functioning with a pure heart. What I have found in the Christian life that God is allowing me to live, and what I have found as a pastor, is that just like problems can develop in the physical heart, unbeknownst to the person until the doctor's test reveals it, so in the spiritual heart, problems can be developing along the way, and someone doesn't really realize it until a coldness, a drifting, a sinful habit takes place. And suddenly they recognize, I'm not where I once was spiritually. So I challenge you tonight to determine in your own heart to begin to start with a pure heart. To do a heart checkup in this few moments that we have together tonight. You see, in this particular verse from the Sermon on the Mount, we learn that God's desire for you and for me is that we might have holiness in the inward part that we might have a real walk with Him from the heart. This particular verse deals with our inner attitudes and actions that will result from a heart that is right with God. Now, the fact is tonight that I have spent much of my life talking to people who believe that what they need is a change of circumstances. People who believe that if they have a different job, a different pay scale, a different home, a different spouse, a different anything, somehow life would be better for them. And in the vast majority of cases, what is needed is not a different circumstance or a different relationship. What is needed is a change of heart, a renewed heart, or as the psalmist said, Re restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I remember as a young 
teenager moving to Korea. I'll never forget when my father announced to our family that we were moving there. I was just old enough to begin driving and just started playing tackle football in high school and really just kind of coming into that time that a lot of teenage boys look forward to. And suddenly we were moving to Korea. And I wish I could say that I had an instant uh, submissive spirit towards that issue. But I struggled with the idea of leaving America and going to a foreign country. And, and uh, really for the first year or so there in Korea, quite frankly, uh, I just struggled with every single decision that was made every single day. Uh, we went to a land uh, that had no McDonald's, it had no Kmart, it had nothing in the sense of a Western identity at that time. Uh, you could not just go find a hamburger anywhere unless there was maybe a GI nice enough to take you on the base and maybe to the USO or something. It was just a complete culture shock and a different language, of course, a different school. And for those first several months, it just seemed like in my heart, I had determined there was no way that I could be happy in that place. My dad was there. He was doing what God wanted him to do, but I wasn't happy to be there. And it just seemed like as I would go to church, sometimes I see it with teenagers here, uh, I had a, an attitude that though I didn't cross my arms all the time, I think my spirit was, go ahead and try to get through, but I'm not really glad to be in here anyways. And, and it was just kind of that attitude for several months. And I remember through a course of preaching, uh, through a particular guest speaker that had come from the States, listening to God's Word, and I remember through that Toward the end of that first year, God beginning to work on my heart about where I was and about the fact that He was in charge, about the fact that He had a purpose and a will for my life. And I remember surrendering to the Lord about where I was and accepting His le leadership and His guidance. And, and the long story short is that God, at that particular time in my life, maybe around age 16, changed my heart. God did a work in my heart. Now you need to understand, the next day, uh, there was still no place to go get a hamburger. The next day, everybody still spoke a foreign language. Uh, the next day, all of the circumstances around me were the exact same. The only thing that had changed was my heart had changed toward God in the matter of accepting what He was doing in my life. And for those next several months and few years, God blessed my life in ways I never thought possible. God allowed me to see people saved and to be a part of ministry and to enjoy traveling internationally, playing basketball and being involved in activities in school and just a, a myriad of opportunities open and a great joyous time. And quite frank, frankly, one of the greatest blessings of my life, even to this very day, is the fact that I lived in Korea, I learned the culture, I learned the language, some of the strongest friendships, some of the sweetest people that I know in my life today are South Korean people that uh, have either known me or that we have become involved in relationships since coming back to the States. And I now see that God had a wonderful plan for my life. By the way, is that not what Jeremiah tells us? God knows the expected end. God has a plan. But sometimes when our heart isn't right, we could almost miss the very blessing that God has in store for us. And what I want you to realize tonight is what I needed was not a one-way trip back to America. What I needed was a revival in my heart. And when God worked in my heart, then great joy began to flood into my life. And God's work was hastened because of the heart change that took place within me. You see, the biggest danger to every one of us tonight is not located outside of us. It's located within us. I've seen this with pastors in the ministry and pastors' wives too. When their heart is not right, 
the ministry is not what it could be. I've seen this with people who've been Christians for many, many years. Suddenly apathy begins to grow in their heart and suddenly there's a distance that grows and, and joy uh, can diminish. And we see that the heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. Maybe tonight before we get into this new year, there's someone here that needs to have a heart adjustment. Maybe you need to have a spiritual angioplasty and you need to let God take some of the plaque out of your heart. You need to have some of those potential, potential uh, pieces of plaque that could create a heart attack or a stroke, spiritually speaking, removed from your system tonight. Some of that bitterness or some of that covetousness or some of that anger at God that was there in 2016, perhaps it needs to be cleansed from your heart tonight so that you can start with a pure heart. Now, I don't know about you tonight, if I had the option physically of starting this year uh, knowing that there was a piece of plaque in my system about ready to break through and go to my brain or knowing that I had a clear and free system physically, how many of you would agree, I don't want anything floating around my arteries this year, amen? Right? Uh, and not enough to not have that In-N-Out burger last Friday night, but that's another thought, isn't it? But how many of you would say spiritually you don't want to begin this year with something floating around that could be a great problem in your life. Let me just share a few truths with you about the heart tonight. First of all, I want you to notice the definition of this term, pure in heart. When God speaks of the heart, the realm of the heart is the totality of our innermost being. He is speaking of the inner self. When he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. He's speaking about your innermost being. He's speaking about your emotions. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Sometimes the word heart refers to the inner emotion. He's speaking about the intellect, Mark 2 and verse 8. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said to them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? So the term heart can speak of the emotion, it can speak of the intellect, it also can speak of the will. The Bible says in Daniel 1.8 that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not sin against God. And so the mind, the emotion, the will, the totality of your innermost being, the heart uh, encompasses the inner man. And it is something that uh, goes beyond your job description, your marital status. It is something that speaks of who you are before God. When someone accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, we often say, even to children, have you ever accepted Jesus in your heart? What are we saying? From the depth of your innermost being, have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior? Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And we're not speaking of this organ that's pumping in our chest. We're speaking of the innermost being. Uh, uh, the heart uh, reflects the totality of the man spiritually in his innermost being. And so this is the realm of the heart. But notice the requirement of purity. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart. Uh, this word pure means free from every admixture of that which is false. Uh, free from that which is insincere. Blessed are the pure in heart. Uh, this is uh, a heart of integrity as opposed to duplicity. God says, I'm looking for people who have a heart that is totally fixed upon me. And so blessed are the pure in heart. A heart uh, that is without guile. This is a heart that is focused upon God. Jeremiah 32, 39. 
and I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. Did you hear that? Jeremiah said, God wants to give you one heart. He wants you to have one heart. I saw a young man yesterday uh, at, at the barber shop, and we were just visiting. Young student from the Bible college here might be here tonight. And we were talking about his future and graduation. He said, I'll tell you one thing I know I want to do. I want to get married next May. And I mean, that was the one thing he had on his mind. He wanted to do that. I think that's wonderful, by the way. But, but let me just say that God says, I want to be the all-encompassing thought in your life. I want to be uh, the number one factor in your heart, a focused heart. Jeremiah 29, 13, and ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your what? Heart. God says, I want you to have a pure heart that is focused on me. Not only is this heart focused on the Lord, it is fixed on the Lord. Psalm 57, 7. I love this verse. David said, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Now, the reason sometimes you can't sing and give praise is because your heart is not fixed. If your heart is prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. If your heart and your thoughts, your mind, emotion, and will are somewhere else, then you're not going to focus on the praise service. You're not going to focus on singing and focus on preaching. But when your heart is fixed on God, you're greatly interested in even what's happening right now because your heart is fixed in this matter. And, and, and so a fixed heart is what is spoken of here. Psalm 112 and verse 7. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. And so we want to enter into this year with a pure heart or a fixed heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, free from contamination, free from uh, chips of, of, uh, uh, of cholesterol running around, but a heart that is pure and fixed on God as we enter into the new year. And so the definition of the pure heart, blessed are the pure in heart, from my innermost being a total fixation upon God. God says I can bless someone like that. Someone who is completely fixed upon him, that, that is totally yielded to him, God says, I can bless this person. This will be a happy person when they are fixed on me. Notice, though, not only the definition of a pure heart, but let's just take a quick journey tonight and consider the development of a pure heart. Now, I think everyone here tonight would say, well, if I had a physical heart checkup this week, I want it to come back good. And I hope that you would say tonight that as we have this spiritual heart checkup, that you're doing well, that you are fixed upon God, uh, that you have a, from your innermost being a love for Him, uh, that, you, that you have a desire for Him. But let me tell you that sometimes, as I said a moment ago, that's not always the reality with every member of Lancaster Baptist Church. And, and, and the fact is that this is a process of growth that requires attentiveness if we're going to maintain the heart that God desires from us. And so let me talk with you about that for just a moment. How do we develop this pure heart? Let me give you a few quick steps on how to keep your heart right. Now, some of you might be here tonight, and you might say, honestly, Pastor, there's a few things in my heart that are tweaked a little bit. 
And, and I, there's members of our, of our church that have been honest with me over the years to say, I've just got a little area I'm struggling with. Many of you, perhaps most of you would say, I'm really doing pretty good right now. I just feel like there's nothing between my soul and my Savior. I feel like things are going well uh, between me and the Lord. My Bible reading is real. My prayer life is real. I, I enjoy the preaching of the Word of God. I'm harboring no bitterness. I feel like I'm doing well. But whether you feel like there's a little struggle there or whether you feel like you're doing well, let me give you a process for keeping your heart right in the new year. Everybody ready for that? All right, here we go. First, let me give you this first thought. You need to suspect your own heart. You need to suspect your own heart. You say, well, that sounds a little bit negative. I mean, to be in suspicion of my own heart. Well, let me me just say this. We are often encouraged to go to the hospital once a year for a physical examination just to make sure everything's all right. And in the same vein or context, we need to make sure that our heart is all right and we need to not take for granted that, yep, I'm doing great spiritually. That's why we have the week of awakening because God reveals things in a four-night span and sometimes with the back-to-back momentum of the Holy Spirit and the preaching of the Word of God. Boom! On that third night or fourth night, something's revealed that we did not recognize prior. And so in this particular case, How can we keep our heart right with God? First, we must have uh, in our mind a suspect or suspicion of what's going on in our heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says it this way. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is deceitful, the Bible says, above all things. Um, A lot of times people say, I'm, I'm doing fine. But they're measuring themselves against a false standard another Christian or how they used to be. We need to recognize that the standard is not what we think or how we feel. The standard is the Word of God. And we need to recognize that we must constantly open our heart up at every service and say, Lord, as far as I know, there's nothing between my soul and my Savior, but I don't trust my heart. I trust your spirit and I trust your word. So I want to open my heart. As the psalmist said, search me and try me, O Lord. And so there must be a a, a suspect of your own heart. Secondly, there must be a surrendering of our heart to the Lord. Uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer said, who is of pure heart? Only those who have surrendered their hearts completely to Jesus. May he reign in them alone. Now the psalmist said in Psalm 139, 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. I want you to remember this simple truth. God and God alone knows your heart. And we must be willing to let God pinpoint the areas of our heart that are not right with Him. Proverbs 21 and 2. Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. Now let's just say that one together. Those of you that are taking notes, Proverbs 21, 2. This is what it says. Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. Let's say that verse together. Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but... Now, I've had men tell me that it was just fine with God for them to leave their wife. And it is absolutely not fine with God to break a vow made before him. I've had men tell me it's just fine with God for them to worship God at Yosemite or wherever else. They don't need church. It's just fine with God for them to do whatever. They're just kind of an accommodating theologians. They just kind of write their own theology as they go. 
But friends, we've got to come back to the basic truths of the Word of God. Yes, the Bible is clear. Every way of man is right in his own eyes. Yes, you can rationalize all you want, but the Lord tries the hearts. And so for those of us, and how many of you have noticed, we always give ourselves a pass, you know. Well, I'm tired today, I don't need to pray as much. Or it's, I'm tired this weekend, I don't need to go to church. We can always rationalize, you know. I've, I've been a part of this for a long time. Let the younger people do some stuff. And we can get into that entitlement philosophy, can't we? We don't like it in society when people say, my name is Jimmy, gimme, 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 and they just want to go get their welfare check. But sometimes we can live with a welfare mentality as members of Lancaster Baptist Church. Let someone else be involved. And we can rationalize it because we're tired, because we've done certain things a long time. But the Bible says every way of man is right in his own eyes. You can rationalize if you want, but the Lord knows your heart. And what I want us to do this year is to simply suspect our own heart to say, Lord, I can't tell really where I'm at, so I want you to reveal it to me. Search my heart, Lord, and show me. That's what we want to do tonight. That's what we want to do this month. Lord, show me if there's anything in my heart, if there's any bitterness towards my spouse, if there's any bitterness towards another Christian, if there's any covetousness, if there's any problem. Lord, I want to repent of that before it smacks me down like stroke coming into the brain of someone with heavy cholesterol. I want to get that dealt with before I get into the new year. So suspect your own heart, surrender your heart to God, and then once God reveals and things are made right, maybe at an altar call, maybe in your personal devotions, let me give you this third thought. Safeguard your heart. Safeguard your heart. Now, cardiologists have some ways of trying to do that. They might put you on a statin drug. They might give you an exercise regimen. They might do various different things with your diet. And they're saying, okay, we want you to do this. We want to safeguard your heart. Well, what does God want us to do once we've made things right with him? What is God's prescription for us? And I want you to turn in your Bible, if you would, just for a moment, to Proverbs 4.23. You see, God is the only one who can heal a sinful heart. But he gives to us certain responsibilities with respect to safeguarding our heart. And this is a very simple verse, but it's worth looking at tonight. For those of you that would say, as far as I know, there's no relative bitterness in my heart. I, I'm faithful in my giving, my serving. I'm doing it out of joy. I, I, I'm thankful for my Christian faith. As far as I know, I'm right with the Lord tonight. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand right now. But if that's what you feel in your heart, if you say... I'm thankful to God for His blessings in my life. I'm not begrudging the Christian life. As far as I know, I love the Lord. I'm walking with the Lord. I know I'm not perfect, but as far as I know, my heart's right with God tonight. By the way, the vast majority of us should be able to say that. If that's what you would say tonight, then this third thought here is to safeguard your heart. And let me give you this verse, Proverbs 4.23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, notice this word keep, and let me tell you what it means. It means guard or protect. Guard or protect. Now, you say, my heart is right. Then you must be diligent. Once you have uh, suspected your heart and, and tried your heart, and God has corrected your heart, and as far as you know, your heart is right with God, then you must guard your heart. You must guard your heart from entertainment that would defile your heart. You must guard your heart from gossip that would discourage your heart. You must guard your heart uh, from an attitude or a friend that would lead you astray. 
You see, God says, I want you to keep your heart with all diligence. And sometimes it may be a certain person or a certain activity, but something that just drags you down. And God says, I want you to guard yourself from that. I think I've mentioned this before, but I remember when I was a Bible college student, I worked at uh, Shepherd Machinery. It was a Caterpillar franchise. And I had never worked in a warehouse like that with a bunch of guys that just had to cuss every third word to prove how smart they were. It's just amazing to me. It was totally grammatically incorrect to begin with. <laughs> Spiritually defiled and ignorant too. And these guys just, they could not, they couldn't say how you doing this morning without cursing. And I remember some of those words, after a while, they'd lodge in your mind. And, and you'd think those words. And I remember putting some scripture memory cards in my pocket and I remember pulling those out. And every time I'd hear those curse words, I'd pull out a card. Thy, thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his heart? By taking heed thereunto, according to thy word. And, and I, I remember oftentimes just instantly when I hear those curse words, praying something like this. Lord, cleanse my mind from that word. I don't want to be angry someday and accidentally say one of those words because I've let them just even stay in my heart. What was I doing? I was trying to guard my heart. Keep thy heart with all diligence. I wanted to guard my heart from those influences of those men. I wanted to be a witness to those men so that they might know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. You see, in this world, there's no guarantee that you're being right with God tonight, January 1st. There's no guarantee that by February 1st, you're going to be right with God. It's a daily process of guarding your heart if you're going to be right with God a month from now or a year from now. Now, you think about how our society has changed and how subtle changes come. One of the best illustrations of that to me is to look back at this movie that many of us watched or at least portions of it during the Christmas season. It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, It's a Wonderful Life was filmed in 1946 and Jimmy Stewart of course was the star of the show. And when they were rating It's a Wonderful Life, they were determining uh, how they would uh, uh, approve it, what kind of a rating the movie would get, it was not able to get the general rating unless they removed a few words that were found in that movie. And, and uh, those that were the editors of the movie had some problems with it, and so they said, there's some things you're going to have to censor from this movie. If we're going to show this movie to the general public, there's some things you're going to have to censor out of the movie, right? And so 1946... Uh, these were the things that they said must be censored from It's a Wonderful Life. First of all, they had in the movie the word jerk. And the editors of the movie said, you will not have the word jerk in this movie. You'll not be able to put that out to the American public. Secondly was the word God was used. Not in a reverential way. They could not have the word God Thirdly was the phrase garlic eaters in reference to a particular people group. That was considered very, very rude and such words would not be allowed in the movie theater. The name God, garlic eaters, the word jerk, and the word lousy. Those words would not be allowed in the movie theater. That was the conscience of America in 1946. We've come a long way, baby. Now we chuckle. 
But that's the subtle way that the conscience of a nation has changed. I've been in discussions, I have another meeting this week with some of our city leaders over why we as a church are against the growth, the sale, or the dissemination of marijuana in any way, shape, or form in this community. You would have thought that would not be necessary to explain to people why Christians would be against that. But 56% of Californians, I believe it was, voted to legalize marijuana. Who would have ever thought such a thing would even be on the ballot 20 years ago? And all of us get it in society. Who would have ever thought gay marriage would be voted on in California? Who would have ever thought such a thing? But then again, who would have ever thought that a pastor or a deacon or a longtime church member could just suddenly be unfaithful to the Lord? You see, we don't have a problem detecting it in society as a whole, but sometimes we have a problem detecting it in our own heart. Because it's just that subtle missing of the Bible, that subtle rationalization of, I'm okay, I've been a Christian a long time, I, can, I don't need as much as the other guy. And before we know it, we're a long ways from where we were when we first got saved. Now, how many of you would say that the movie industry from 1946 to 2017 has come a long way? Subtly, 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 a totally different situation. And that can happen to our heart. So we've got to protect our heart. So we see the definition of the pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. We see the development of that pure heart. And then finally, the destination of that pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Say the rest with me. For they shall, they shall see God. How many of you would like to see the manifestation of God in 2017? Now think about that. I'm not talking about seeing God physically in the flesh. I'm talking about seeing God's manifested power in your life in the new year. I would love to see God's hand in that way. I'm talking about perhaps seeing grown men who haven't come forward in maybe years weeping at an altar. I'm talking about seeing teenagers who've run away from home come back to their parents. I'm talking about seeing marriages reconciled. I'm talking about people who've been on drugs being set free. I'm talking about revival. I'm talking about an awakening of the consciousness of our church, of our city, of our nation to the point that people would say, how have we come so far away from God? Waking up and saying, how did this happen? Something that only God can do. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. May I say tonight, it will never happen until our hearts are right, until judgment begins at the house of God. We must have hearts that are right. To the spiritual man, there's no greater joy in life than seeing God work. Than to see someone saved, there's nothing better than that. And what a blessing on this holiday weekend that we were able to see people saved and baptized even this morning. Brother Sisson emailed me this afternoon. He said, I was able to lead a teenager to Christ after church today and told me some of the circumstances. It was wonderful. Listen, that's better than an e-ride ticket at Disneyland. Do they have e-ride tickets anymore? I'm not sure, but you know what I mean. A spiritual man is thrilled when God moves, when God is at work, because we know that that's what really counts. Now, John 1.18 is very clear. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So we're not talking in this verse about seeing God physically. 
We're talking about seeing the work of God manifested. Even Moses saw merely the glory of God. But the destination of a pure-hearted man is that he or she wants to see God move in their life and in their lifetime. And I'll give you a few ways that we see that. We see God in creation. Psalm 19 and verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. And what a blessing. And how many of you are thankful for the rain these last few days? That's an answer to prayer. And we see God in His creation. We see God in circumstances. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to His purpose. And we see God in circumstances uh, in a wonderful way. In the book of Matthew, we find the word fulfilled 12 different times. God fulfilling His will. God showing His way uh, in the lives of men. I've seen God in the circumstances of our own members here. I've seen God do certain things through people's lives with reflect of seeing souls saved or people strengthened or raising up leaders in the church through ways that we would have never designed ourselves. We just step back and say, God was in that. We didn't understand it, but God was in that. And those pure-hearted people, we saw God through that. We can see God in creation. We can see God in circumstances. We can see God in the scriptures. The Bible says in John 5.39, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think that ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. If you want to see God, you go to the Word. They are they which testify of me. And so tonight, we speak of this matter of the heart. We want to start with a pure heart. I love this quotation from Warren Wiersbe, and I close with it. The highest joy of man comes from cultivating the deepest part of man, the heart. When the heart is pure, the vision is clear. Now let me read that phrase again. The highest joy of man comes from cultivating the deepest part of man, the heart. When the heart is pure, the vision is clear. Now, if tonight there's something in your heart that's not right with God, then just like the slightest engineering calculation just being slightly off before we send the space shuttle up into the sky or before we send some aircraft or some rocket up into the sky, just the slightest miscalculation can mean devastation for that mission. So the slightest amount of sin or bitterness in our own hearts could be devastating for 2017. You do not want to start with a problem in the heart. You want to start with a pure heart. Now, we said earlier, no one knows your heart except God. Over time, if someone begins to show an attitude or someone begins to change in their personality, we can sometimes see it. But oftentimes there are things there, hidden, that none of us know about except God. And so I would encourage you tonight that as we have this invitation time, that you would just open your heart up to the Lord and say, Lord, search me and try me and show me if there be any wicked thing in me. And let God reveal and then repent. And then when you get things right with God, guard your heart. And don't let anything come that would dissuade you or pull you away from being completely right with God, from your innermost being right with God.